We're touching tips. Hey, now. <laughs> we're, t- we're, we're space stocking. Merry <laughs> Christmas, listeners of Astro Radio Z. Mark the Movie Man, Doc, and myself are space stocking here on the annual Christmas episode. But we're not calling it the Christmas episode this year. We're calling it the holiday episode because we don't want to be affiliated with any religious holiday. We just want to celebrate giving, and that's what we're all about here on Astro Radio Z. And this year, we're going to give you two wonderful pieces, little slabs of holiday cheer in Jack Frost 1 and Jack Frost 2 Return of the Killer Snowman. We had a tough time coming up with anything this year, yet last year seemed to be easy. We're like, oh, let's go with a wrestling gimmick. Yeah. And boy, we came we came up with those movies right <laughs> quick. This this year, man, we kind of, somebody tossed out Jack Frost and we're like, yeah, that'll be good enough. Back in October. Back in October. <laughs> Ah, the pandemic. Where where time time has no meaning anymore. It has no meaning, no meaning. And, and all three listeners that'll still be listening to this show after I decide to only put out like two episodes in half a year. Uh, thank you for sticking around for this Christmas bonus episode of uh, Astro Radio Z. So, seeing how it's been a year since I've had you on the podcast or even talked to you in the flesh, Doc. How are you doing? Uh, all things considered, it could be a lot worse. Um, I've been working from home, trying to stay safe, trying to wave at people from the end of the laneway occasionally, and you know, trying to not get in any any scuffles. But oof, some of these people in the grocery store need to be uh, deep sixed. But such yeah. as other than that, um, all things considered, hanging in there. Good. That's so amazing to hear, Mark. Are you looking to snipe anybody inside of grocery stores when you go out this out? <laughs> I tempting. It's tempting. Actually, our grocery store, for the most part, has been very good. It's when you drift into Walmart and like 80 or 90 percent of the people have the masks, but you get the one family. There's one ah. family out of the entire group where no one from the littlest to the oldest to the dad to the mom, none of them are wearing masks. And I'm sorry, uh, but there's a specific kind of look to them that let's just say. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, this is about to get problematic. Oh Mark boy. the movie, man. What kind of look do they have? Specifically? They, they look they look like, um, uh, yeah, that their home is on wheels that moves quite often. Are you uh, trying to say that they look a little more related than they should to each other? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not so much there, but they definitely are mobile people. <clears throat> oh my Drifters. I thought we were over this. I thought we were over this, Mark. You know, the election is, is passed. We, we've changed the guard in our country, supposedly, even though Trump doesn't want to let go and he's looking more like a clown every day. I thought we were past this, Mark. We're in a new and enlightened age. <laughs> Oops, yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah, when Charles Manson died, all of his cult followers just decided not to do anything anymore. Sure. Right. <laughs> Wait, what? Did I equate someone with someone else? What? Uh, but anyway, I think Ooh. last year, last year I showed my nipples, and this year I'll show my Santa pussy. So there we go. 
Oh, 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 oh. Man. <laughs> I, I'm not I literally lie. felt on edge there for a second. Very faithful listeners, I was very afraid, and I've known Mark for far too long. I've seen I've seen more of Mark than I probably ever should. But <laughs> Yeah, when, when any man stands up on camera and says, I'm going to show you my Santa pussy, <laughs> I, I get very worried very quickly. No, no, it's it's my shirt. It's the kitty cat and the Santa shirt on my yes. riding a kitty unicorn. Kid. So we I understand that now. It was worth it for looking at Doc. <laughs> Doc looked away from the from the monitor. Oh, crap. He totally looked. He's like, I gotta look anywhere but here. I know where Mark's going with this shit. Uh, I was, I, it didn't look like you were pulling up your shirt at first. I just saw your hands kind of dive out of shot, and I'm like, oh. Okay. <laughs> the time for touching chips is over, Mark. We decided that was for before the recording. Yep. Well, it was at the beginning it's of the, the recording, beginning. obviously. That's how we started. Well, well, you are you are Doc, so we're... <laughs> oh my god, man! I, I, I chose the wrong t- the wrong time to stop drinking. <laughs> it's like I stopped at the wrong time for stop sniffing glue. So how are you, Derek? How am I? I'm wonderful. I don't know about you guys. There's a lot going on in my life, and it's all positive, and it's all good. So uh, I'm looking forward to this holiday season. I'm looking forward to 2021. I'm not one of these doom naysayers that are that are ready to put the atom bomb down on 2020. There were a lot of good aspects to this year. Yeah, there were a lot of bad aspects, obviously, in society, which, you know, it's a shit show. It's a fucking, uh, you know, clown circus. But what are you going to do? But uh, I'm going to look at it in a, po- in a positive light and say, you know what? I had some good times this year and made some good memories. And let's let's finish out this year by watching almost the worst movies that I've covered here this year on Astro <laughs> Radio C. Jack Frost 1 and Jack Frost 2. Now, listeners, I'm not so sure you know what these movies are. Perchance you haven't heard of these movies or you didn't grow up and you aren't like elderly white men like the rest of us here that are on the panel tonight. (laughs) And I hope you can hear that. My girlfriend, Amy, is in the back giggling her ass off right now. She finds that really funny. But... (laughs) If you aren't like us and you haven't heard of these movies, Mark the Movie Man, what is your earliest recollection and memory here for the listeners for this? As we're sitting down by the fire, we're drinking eggnog. You can hear in the distance the carols of sweet sounds of jingle bells and silent night. What is your first memory of Jack Frost? I'm grabbing my carrot and getting my snowballs. Um, No, uh... (laughs) <laughs> it, this is one of those that you passed on the video shelf many times. You know, I mean, like, it's like the cool cover because it, depending on which uh, cover you had, it was reticular. So it would, you know, he would it be. It was reticular? It, no, reticular. The, the thing where you go, whoosh, Uh-oh. And he's drinking that hard root beer again. I am not he's drinking that <laughs> I've got my I, I, I don't, Mountain Dew, so... I, 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 I don't think that starts with an R, sir. <laughs> I could be wrong. What's the term? Where you tilt it and it changes the look? Yeah. I thought that was lenticular, and I could be mispronouncing lenticular. that as well. Lenticular? <laughs> Genticular? Genticular? I have no... Fun. 
Gentile? I am not. How is Mark the most drunk of us already? I, at the I, I don't know. I don't I know how that's that even drunk. possible. It's just the, I'm horrible at words. But in any case, uh, it, yes, moving on. It moved when you walked along the shelf. It would move. Okay, there you go. Sure I don't want to know about it moving when you look at it, Mark. I love this. I love this. This is the best thing we've ever done. Oh. <sighs> okay. When Mark's becoming like, shows, a, like a tomato. Okay. He's becoming so red, he looks like a tomato at this point. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna break. I'm not gonna break. Okay, Mark, go ahead, please, please. Uh, anyway, I edit these. Remember, day, I edit. yeah, right. Like hell. <laughs> like <that> hell. <laughs> I edit. I say that, that now, and I, I already put down the mandate. I don't edit anything. Anymore. You got that kind of time. <laughs> the only edit he has is like he cuts out the little quiet part in the very beginning. That's it. Then he says he edited it. There you go. Hey, so, that still counts. It still does count. Yeah. It's an edit. Every little bit counts. <laughs> technically. Technically. Every, <laughs> yeah, that's what... Anyway. Um, Surprised you didn't pick shelf. that character up. Yes. <laughs> I've on the shelf many times, and I decided to rent it one day. This was like 15 years ago, I think, at least. Um, and yeah, I rented the first one, uh, and I actually enjoyed it for what it is. The second one... <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that. <laughs> but the first one, about 15 years ago is when I watched it. I mean, I've seen it on the shelf many times, but it took me that long before I finally said, okay, I'll bother watching it. So, at least for the first one, you know. And, uh, yeah. Those movies that came out through Apex Pictures back in the late 90s, early 2000s, regretfully, I watched almost every single one of them. <laughs> I'm a dude that likes good gimmicks and every single one of their covers were ridiculous and stupid. And I went to Hollywood video every single week, checked out the new release wall, saw if they had any really shitty movies and of course rented them. And I, along with uncle Sam, I was going to ask if they did uncle Sam. Of course they did uncle Sam. I, I watched Jack Frost and I watched Jack Frost too. Eventually when it came out and maybe back then, in 1997, when the first movie came out, I was a, a little more forgiving <laughs> of some of the lesser aspects of this film. Now, now, last night, revisiting these movies, it's stupidly as a double feature. <laughs> I may not have, I may Same. not have the the, the 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 nicest of things to say about this doc. D had you seen these movies before? Uh, in the forever time, uh, we 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 climbed uphill through the snowstorm, <laughs> both ways, both ways to the video store. Um, at the time when this came out, I had friends that lived about a block, block and a half away from a little pop and pop, and I use that term specifically, uh, neighborhood video store. And I don't remember if I went with my buddy and got it, or if I just showed up that night and he's like, "Hey, we got this thing." And I watched the first. We watched the first one together. I don't think I had seen Jack Frost two until last night. Oh, I, I wow. don't remember that one at all. The first one, I was like, okay, yeah, this is the one we watched. I remember being amused by it the first time, not like, ha, this is the best. That it was just like, oh yeah, it was fine. And that was a thing. <laughs> to be honest, that was kind of my reaction last night. It was like, this is fine. If I. Not to jump ahead in the route too much, I went at the, I, we got to the end of it, and I went to myself. 
if if we were reviewing this movie as that we had made in our youth, I'd be like, I don't feel so bad that we made that movie. <laughs> I'm not super embarrassed by this piece right. of shit. If, if we had been in our mid to early 20s and made this thing, I'd be like, all right, that's not so bad. If these were people who had been making movies for a while, <clears throat> yeah, no. <laughs> You know, and so, I, I would probably be more embarrassed, actually, if we had made it. But at the same time, because that you, you take things that you do more personally than things that you're watching that you're trying to be nice to other people about, too. So. So having said that, Doc, mm-hmm. I want to I want to see how many movies he Mr. Michael Cooney has made be, <laughs> did make before this. And guess what? He didn't make anything before this. Okay, so this is his... He didn't make anything afterward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not completely shocked. No offense. I think he directed some episodes of a TV series called Center Stage. So, other than that... Sounds like it might be like a music show or something. Or like a TV series documentary. It looks like maybe it's something to do with like acting. Okay. Something like that. But, uh, yeah... So this is his entire creative output is the Jack Frost series. And while I was on my phone, surprisingly enough, while watching both of these movies, there was a lot of downtime to sit and, wa- and look at my phone. I was doing the research, as I, as I say with air quotes. <sighs> there are people clamoring for a part three. I will put this to either of you two in in the looks. This is an audio only podcast, so you 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 fellow listeners can't enjoy the horrendously <laughs> like cringed faces of both of my guests. As I what I just said, they both their faces went from a normal face to shrinking ten times that size. It was much confusion here. <laughs> I am not. I, I, I want to say I'm shocked, but I'm not because any any it seems like any movie that gets past you know, there's there's always at least some. But to say that there's that many that are like, you know what, we need a third one to finish. No, not necessarily. Uh, I don't know where exactly it would go, but I don't think you really need to put your brain cells and rub them together too hard to come up with something after watching part two uh, in order to continue this series. Having said that, without you know spoiling our thoughts on these movies which we already have incessantly here let's go ahead and let's talk about jack frost number one here doc what is the wonderful story of jack frost uh the wonderful story of the first jack frost is a random sheriff in the middle of nowhere town colorado inadvertently stops a serial killer and captures him and said serial killer just you know yells his revenge multiple times and then on his way to being executed they have a half hour to get him through a giant snowstorm to get to execution place an unnamed execution place uh and much like that reese's peanut butter cup commercial back in the day where they get the chocolate into peanut butter and peanut butter into chocolate <laughs> the the truck carrying said serial killer crashes into a truck with random bioengineered acid type situation, which then explodes onto serial killer, melts him into the snow, and fuses him 
with the molecules of the snow so he can turn into a snowman and then into water to go through places and then back into a snowman at which point he goes to small town Colorado in order to gain his vengeance upon the sheriff that captured him and such that is definitely Jack Frost a movie that literally writes itself now some of the details in the movie when you think of like your your typical holiday horror film you have your silent night deadly nights where you have the killer santa and you have movies about elves that go out and they kill each other of course somebody had to come up with a killer frosty movie now did you think at any point mark the movie man that this killer snowman would be a a serial killer that happens to break free Michael Myers style from his shackles and have (laughs) genetic acid splash and melt him and fuse him with snow. Did you think that was the angle they were going to go with? Going into the film, I wasn't sure. No, uh, but after they did that, I give them props for at least trying to justify the living snowman. No, I mean they come. It, yes, yeah. it's convol- but they they and that's what I like about this. And I know when we'll get into the second one is they, they. You can see some effort was put into this one, especially just the way the whole film plays out. But especially the the behind it. Yeah, as ridiculous as it is, I mean we got redneck zombies. Okay, <laughs> you know where they the rednecks got you know turned into zombies from uh, you know toxic waste so I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility of having something happen like that uh, with this I liked it better than a supernatural angle at least and uh, yeah I mean the rest of it plays out like I expected I wasn't expecting genetic <laughs> experimented uh, acid blending him with snow to make him the living snowman but that opened up many more gimmicks for them to use rather than him just being like uh, a killer frosty to where he's just a snowman trying to kill everyone before the sun comes out you know? <laughs> which I half expected to happen <laughs> and we find out clearly later on there's only one thing that kills Jack Frost antifreeze antifreeze yeah well yeah because <laughs> he's he's frozen so what so, so the hair dryer they, slowed him down for a second now. So yeah, you know <laughs> the hair dryers. There were so many different things that they try and do in order to melt him down and kill him as he goes on his killing spree. But the only thing they find out is antifreeze is the only thing that. And yes, we may be spoiling this movie, but really, you know this movie every step of the way. There is not a single thing that you're going to be watching going, "Oh man, that really shocked me." Other than the fact that how many genetic acid tanker trucks are driving around out there in the United States. That's what I want to ask you. When that showed up, (laughs) I was like, get the fuck out of town. Nobody's driving one of those. It's kind of implied. It's like Oscorp. (laughs) Like all of a sudden decided, hey, take this genetic waste and drive it this way. I don't know if it's going anywhere. Just drive it this way. I kind of got the impression that the company, and I forget the name of the company, but it's generic late 90s bad science corporation gimmick that they did that deliberately 
just, hey, let's see if we can make it happen. And I don't know if I added that in my own brain after the fact or if there's like half a sentence that implies that because they're there pretty much right away to try and capture Jack Frost and, and they want to get him back for experimentation. So, yeah. Well, they, it's a government it, contract. That's why they were doing it. It, it. it was, you know, that's why he had the FBI involved and Mr. Agent Man. Not uh, an FBI agent. No, he's not an FBI agent. <laughs> Not in this movie, yeah, anyway. No, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's. I'll, I'll take it. It's it's the convenient, the plot of convenience. Okay, not only does the genetic material acid smash into the truck that has our serial killer, happens to land on him to fuse him with the snow, but it happens to be outside of the town where he was captured by the sheriff. You know, just what a dink this is all, you know? Oh, that's right, because they drive past that on they their way drive, back from their skiing trip. Yes, they're driving <sighs> past the accident on their way home <laughs> to the town and this crash happened really that. just outside of the town where the sheriff who caught the serial killer was just <sighs> that convenient you know I think one thing that can explain all of this away is the intro of this movie is an old grandpa talking telling a story <laughs> to his granddaughter over and I love this kind of gimmick when you, you get a, you know, dirt floor, cheap ass exploitation picture and the credits is literally just one shot and people have written the credits on elements in frame. Yeah. We have a like Christmas that. tree with ornaments in which all of the credits are painted and painted on these ornaments. And the guys, the, the, the little girl's like, oh, grandpa, please tell me a story. Oh, I don't know. It's too late. Do you want to? Do you want a scary story? Yeah, a fun scary story. So this is all really—it's not reality. No, We're, this is supposed to be like a fairy tale. Now, part two isn't set up that way. No. So are we to believe that part two is also Grandpa telling this this tale? It, no. Yeah. <laughs> They just I, forgot that angle. They, oh, they gave up. On I'm angle. pretty sure there was a slight change in some behind the scenes things, a, and they said make it make this more like a real whatever. There was I, there was a lot of change between one and two. Let's yeah. <laughs> well, there's that too. I meant more from. I don't think this was the vision of the the, the guys that made the first one. I think we're hey, this is going to be our. This is going to be our first movie. We're going to we're going to do something solid. We could sell a horror film, and it'll be cool. And then by the time they, if they had the idea for two, and I don't necessarily think they did, I think they were kind of, hey, we're the company that owns Jack Frost one now. Why don't you make us a sequel? Well, we, we kind of wanted, we had plans to do some other things. No, make us another one of those. Yep, I can almost mm -hmm. guarantee you this movie made bank for Apex oh, yeah. pictures on Hollywood video shelves and on family video shelves and in Blockbuster. This thing was everywhere. You, yeah. you know why? You can thank American Pie for that. Because Shannon oh, Elizabeth. 
That's a good, it's that's got a good point. And Elizabeth in the famous shower scene being attacked by Jack Frost, which is actually one of the better sequences in this film, just the way it was handled and everything. And if you learn the way they shot it, they actually put a lot into setting up that shot, like building up the set and everything the way they had to do it. Um, but it had Shannon Elizabeth in it, it sans clothing and uh, that she was big in American Pie so that's what drew everybody to this because once they saw her in American Pie they're like oh what other movies was she in and then you got Jack Frost and oh Jack Frost oh she's in the shower scene being attacked by a snowman I need to rent this because it's Shannon Elizabeth let's, let's put a caveat on attacked Okay. Yes, raped in the shower by Jack Frost. <laughs> yes, yes, with okay. a carrot. With a carrot, yes. And if you take that, if you take that scene out, this is PG, PG thirteen. Oh easy. yeah, both of them, both of them. Yeah. Even yeah. though part two goes goes a little over the top, these movies yeah. that uh, something that I saw a thread running through both of these movies is that they they had that really mean spirited undercurrent mm-hmm. to them, but they didn't go there. Like they, they lure, like there's a lot of male gaziness to both of these, but yeah. there's no nudity. They yeah, never go there. There's no they nudity. Just about get there. You don't see the impact of the violence. You see the react, the like the after effects of the violence. Mm-hmm. You'll see, you'll see an icicle, a bloody icicle, but you won't see it actually penetrate anybody. Well, One cheaper che- at the end. Yeah, cheap, cheaper effects that way. Yeah. And then two, less of a rating because it's not quite as violent. Most you get blood, yes, and you get like, like the one dude gets his gets like bitten at the end, and so you get to see his face all gore. So it's not like it's there's it's not like there's no payoff at all. But like you said, there's no new. You, you see Shannon Elizabeth's butt for like half a second. Yeah, you see a, a side profile and a little side the bits. Yeah, and the bits yeah. are all covered up by that big foam rubber, yep. you know, snowman. And to be honest. And I it, I had to watch this closely this time because it's just like it never struck me as he was like raping her at no. all. I always looked like he was just smothering her and hugging her to death. I, I just always took that as him just bashing her head against the wall, not him actually violating her. I never got that. Because he, the carrot's gone off his nose, it's the implication is that it's right. moved south. But it's never obvious. It's how you read that scene. Right. Yeah. Well, because the carrot pops up in the the, the only the thing tub. is the carrot pops up in the tub, but you never yes. see it afterwards. And so for me, I actually never took that as him doing that, especially because of the way the rest of this film is. Yeah. I got it more as he just had her hands trapped and he was just using it as a smashing her to, to kill her that way by, by basically... Bang, bashing her against bashing the horse yeah, one of the top whatever because there's nothing in even though it's uh, uh, limited puppeteering there's nothing in his puppeteering or even random say rambling dialogue that you sometimes get in a scene like this too where he's like oh yeah baby yeah he doesn't really do that he's mostly just bashing her head against the except the except for the line that ends it all right yeah was that good for, for you, you as it was yeah. for me right. yeah so that tells you everything you need to know about what had just taken place even though it does look like they're just he just smashing her right no 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 
So, I mean, even having said this, Doc, there that there's that little undercurrent of of a mean spirited nature to this movie that I mm-hmm. I wonder why it holds back so much. Like you it, it, obviously know that this director kind of wanted to go there. Like it's all implied super hard. There's there's the that impl- but even like language wise, really, it's the outside the people from outside the small town that are doing most of the swearing. Mm-hmm. So it's very controlled. It's a it's an oddly subtle film, and I, it sounds weird to say that with a giant mutant foam rubber snowman. <laughs> but the humor is kind of quiet. The, the 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 small towners feel more like small towners. They're not yeah. hicks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like oh here comes this. Um, there's the scene at one point where the the guys like setting up the roadblocks, and like the sheriff guys like no, you need one here too. Yeah. No, you don't know the town. You need one here too, and so it's it does feel balanced that it's not just like here. This side is smart. This side is dumb, and all the the little small town bickering that floats to the surface so quickly once things start going wrong, mm-hmm. like all the ah, you you know, all the the the, the families that are miserable because it's Christmas and or they're miserable all year round, but you see like yeah. the the. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth's dad, you know, the brother gets killed. The dad is no damn good. You know, he's yelling at the mom because you know that's not like he's not just mad. He's just crushing her soul the entire time. And then, you know, Shannon Elizabeth's trying to get away and then they all get. uh, Yeah. No, it's you get kind of that small town tension breaking loose a lot in this. And I like that, that the family you mentioned, because the kid. What starts well, we get that in family with Shannon Elizabeth's family is her brother is a bully, and he mm-hmm. travels. He's the normal small town bully. He's learning he, from his father, and you don't know right away. You think he's just no. an a hole, and it's actually a great setup. You're right. There's some subtle stuff going on in this film, Jack Frost, and so there's an accident where the kid gets killed because Jack shows up with the sheriff's son, who's a pushover and who gets bullied all the time. And There's something uh, wrong with that kid. The, 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 <laughs> yeah, the, the snowman <laughs> ends up pushing the brother and he gets uh, beheaded by a, by a sled, um, which is, is funny. Um, but you realize, okay, maybe he's just a bully. And then you see the family and you're like, okay, well, maybe the dad's just upset about the grief. And then there's just bits here and there where you're like, oh, oh that's how it is in the family. But they don't go there. You don't actually see him, like, hit the mom or anything or go that far. You don't see him get very abusive. But if you just pay attention to the way everybody behaves and some of the dialogue, you realize, oh, this is that family in town. This is the abusive husband in town that no one really addresses, you know, (laughs) at all. And, And... I liked that bit. There's other bits too where it's if you 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 pay attention you're like, "Oh, it's that," but they never explicitly show it. And I don't I, I don't think they really want it. I think that's on purpose. I think it's 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 not that they want to go there. They wanted to do that. I think because of in all honesty, market it to maybe a possibly a wider audience. Oh, <laughs> and, sure. You know, for yeah. sure, rather than showing the extreme stuff, because, yeah, outside of a few scenes and even with the Shannon Elizabeth uh, shower scene, this is easily PG-13 nowadays, you know, 
because you know you do get gore with uh, the snowman later on, but it's the foam rather snowman, so you can get away with it. So you're just like, that's yeah. a puppet. Everybody can tell that's a puppet, you know. Oh, clearly they don't even attempt to try. And I think a lot of it could also be is, is that this is a pretty low budget movie. Well, that too, it, the, yeah. the seams the seams show mm-hmm. everywhere in this movie from the yeah. effects work. From the lack of any kill gags, there's a lot of it's the kind of horror movie that has blood splashing every time somebody dies instead of actually showing anything. Yeah. Um, the intro credits, like we said before, is just one static shot, just panning it's, it's a, and it's such a around. quick take on that tree. I mean, the edits aren't yeah. even very good, and <laughs> it's yeah. It, it, I have a feeling a lot of the decisions that were made to scale this back were completely completely due to budget mm-hmm. the yeah. the the big set piece in this movie is that finale where we have the fbi the quote-unquote fbi agent wow. the cop the genetic engineer who's who's coming along to try you know capture uh, jack frost so he can experiment on him but he secretly wants to be him um the the family every they all culminate together to try and take him on and it's like a siege film at the end of it so there's a lot of you know quick deaths uh shooting of antifreeze once they find out that this this hurts jack frost is the only way to kill him because otherwise as you had said before he can melt himself and then reconstitute in different places this is part of you know his superpower which let's let's be honest when he melts himself down and the water seeps into like another room and then he reconstitute all that is is someone uh, by the crack of a door with a hose yeah. just spraying a hose through, through an incredibly inexpensive and then reforming in this case is you cut back and you've got the the puppet there or the, or they the raise, costume. They raise the puppet into frame. Into shot. He, yeah. He, yes. he gets yeah. framed into shot. But I think this is where, and not jump ahead, where two just totally lacks. I think it gives the first one some charm. I, I like the charm of the first Jack Frost because it, it, just watching it again, I'm like, I'm not minding watching this. I know it's it, it's it's one of those words. I know it's bad. I know it's a beef. But there's some charm in here and there's some, you know, they're putting some thought, the way they're putting this together and the way it plays out, I'm like, I am not regretting watching this first one. As cheesy and as horrible as it is, I'm like, this is in a similar vein to Full Moon, you know, Full Moon stuff in a way. I mean, maybe not quite as lighter, you know, or... or as fun but it's trying to be it's trying to be something similar to the earlier full moon you know uh stuff to where it's got a story it's very gimmicky lower budget but it has that bit of charm to it to where everybody's aware that they're making a film about a killer snowman you know no one in yeah, nothing super serious in right. this movie it's kind of like a hallmark horror film yeah to yes, be honest yes it's, yes. it's something a very good that way to easily it, yeah. It, it could easily be played on television on like USA up all night back in the day yeah. and not, and really not have too many cuts done to it Mm-mm. whatsoever. And, and you mentioned, I mean, yeah, it's some guy spraying the hose. You know, it is, you know how that they're, they're cutting corners, but I think that's what adds a little bit of charm to it is that they know, you know, you know, everybody's aware of what you're making and you know, what beats this is going to hit, but 
there's some, uh, you know, some genuineness to it <laughs> in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No. It, it has a wholesome, even though we had said that, you know, there may be some mean spirited kind of dark undercurrents to this movie. It's a it's a very lighthearted movie. Yeah. There's a, you could sit and watch this. There's nothing super offensive, even though that scene with Shannon Elizabeth, if you sat and read into it, it could be taken as a pretty dark scene. It's so stupidly shot and yeah. so goofily handled that you could read it anyway. Mm-hmm. You really can read it anyway. Don't go to don't go to Letterbox. Everyone on Letterbox basically has written that as like an I spit on your grave snowman rape sequence. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, uh, I didn't quite ever take it that way, but I suppose I see where you're coming from with this. But yeah. it, it, to me, it just looks like somebody like he's just hugging her and smashing her against the wall to death. So honestly, this is if you're looking for a very lighthearted kind of movie to show like a horror movie just for the family, quote unquote family you're not going to show this to kids this is no. still an r-rated horror movie let's be let's be clear on this 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 is something that's fairly inoffensive that almost everybody's going to get into oh yeah, yeah it, it it's light without being if if you take your kind of the, your, your edges of horror comedy you've got the completely we know kind of winking to the camera over the top type thing this is the other end of that lighthearted spectrum. It's fun mm-hmm. without being overtly jokey most of the time. Mm-hmm. Even though it clearly is, though, slightly comedy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, there's com- there's comedy in it, but it, it tends to play inside the movie mm-hmm. as opposed to being a joke deliberately crammed into the movie or... Sure. Uh, to to take it to, to an extreme, uh, another thing that I enjoy, a cadaver Christmas, where it's just so over the top. Oh sure, like it's, an airplane style Zucker Brothers. Yeah, thing. where it's just balls to the walls craziness and fun. This is the other end of the lighthearted comedy spectrum. So, we'll we'll do this for both of these movies tonight, boys. Mark, I'll start with you. If there was anything that you liked the most about this, what was the best aspect of this movie? Uh, <laughs> actually, I liked uh, I liked the way they wrote uh, the the main bad guy, the Jack Frost character. Uh, he is written and handled, I think, exactly the way you want him to be. This is an homage or whatever, a nod to your slasher films that had the gimmick guy who had the one-liners when he finished, like like pop culture Freddy, not like original Freddy. This is pop culture Freddy kind of deal going on or you know child's pop culture child's play which is you know that that kind of the villain kind of worked his way more into pop culture than the heroes and he's the one-liner guy and he he makes you chuckle while also killing people and you don't mind him so i i like jack actually jack is done and handled i think a lot better in this film than i expected and that's why i like him is because uh, of just the way they handled his character uh, it easily could have gone even you know worse to where he was just annoying, but he gets just enough in here to make him fun. You know he's a fun killer, 
in kind of a child's play sort of angle, you know, later child's play type stuff. Oh, totally. Yeah, that's what I a lot of this has that child's play, like some of the latter era child's mm-hmm. play, like the comedy child's play feel to it. That's when I watched this, I had a lot of those same feelings. Doc, what was your favorite part? To kind of go with that and what we were saying earlier, I like that the townspeople aren't caricatured. And because they're very low key, it makes Jack stand out that much more. Mm-hmm. If they were all kind of up, then Jack's competing to try and be the craziest character in the room. And because they're all just relatively normal, oh, gee, shucks, how's it going type fellas, it makes him that much more insane by comparison. Um, I also like, because I, I, I glanced at my notes, the uh, when at the beginning of the Shannon Elizabeth, Shannon Elizabeth and her and her buddy friend sneak into the sheriff's house because they're all gone so they could have a little sneaky sex. And the <laughs> winter layer strip yes, is yes. a funny joke. Cause it's 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 funny, but it's not like played really super haha. It's they've been outside in winter in the cold and they've got like twenty seven layers of clothes to get <laughs> off before they get down to like the nitty gritty stuff. And it's it's played at just Yep. long enough where it doesn't get annoying. No, it's, like, it's, okay. it's a perfectly handled joke. This also was my favorite part of the movie, mm-hmm. was this scene. So continue, please. That, and I, I got happy earlier on when he's uh, taking Shannon Elizabeth's mom and like cramming her face into the ornaments box because I thought of Derek because I'm like, shitty, shitty dummy. dummy. And then I went, yep. wait a minute. <laughs> yep. I think that's a blow-up doll. It is. <laughs> it looks so much like a blow-up doll. <laughs> That's exactly my thought too. As I was watching it, I'm watching I went, it. Yay! The head in there, and I go, "Oh, Derek's gonna love this." I put it in my notes here. I put it in my notes. Shitty dummy for Derek. In my. <laughs> it was. It, the, okay, so I take that back. You're right. The shitty dummy was my favorite part of this movie. Even though that Shannon Elizabeth, that that whole sequence of events. Where Jack Brock shows up at their house and he starts offing them one by one. The kills in this movie, probably for me, were the best part of this movie mm-hmm. because they're all really stupid and they're all really cheap. We have a decapitation yeah. by sled. We have an axe that's shoved down a dude's throat. Axe we handle. have axe handle. Well, yeah, the whole axe handle goes into which it makes it cheaper throat. because you don't have to see him get cut off or you just he just has to put that thing in his mouth. <laughs> And it's not even it's yeah it's bent in a very impractical way that it would never work. No. So it, it, it makes it even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the the mom that that gets turned into a tree ornament by you know turning into a shitty dummy and having her face shoved in a box of ornaments. Um, wonderful. That entire <laughs> sequence made me laugh. The the strip tease, the whole thing of. She is living with her parents. She's 18. It's said this explicitly in the movie. She's 18. She brings her boyfriend there. Obviously, she knows her parents are home. Yet they do this strip for like three minutes where they, you know, they take off 15 layers of clothing. And then, you know, they're about to get it on knowing the parents are there. So hypothetically. No, the that's the sheriff's, there. sheriff's house. Oh, I thought that was no, her house. She, I totally no, no, that's what makes wa- him. Yeah, she wanted to I'm get sorry. revenge on the sheriff because she thinks the sheriff's kid killed her brother. I so missed that. Entirely. Entirely. I missed that point. 
Yeah, that's I missed why. that entirely. That's, I knew it was the sheriff's house. I didn't understand the reason why they were sneaking into somebody else's house. They don't exactly. I thought that was the parents' house. No, they don't no, exactly. Because the wife it. just left. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that makes a lot more sense. Because here I'm watching the movie. I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck? They know their parents no. are home. Why is why is she like they they're both stripping down and then they're about to get it on and she makes this weird demand of having a, a fire and champagne and all yeah. this stuff before they get it on it's like bitch your parents are home how the fuck are you going to pull this off you're giving this guy the worst blue balls of his life <laughs> Yeah no they're they're at the sheriff's and I believe it's not fully stated but you get the impression it's implied that she's doing this because the sheriff's son is blamed for her brother's death yep. so she takes right, him Hark. over there to get it on with the boyfriend who's just clueless and yeah she's over there and that's why that happens at the sheriff's place and jack frost went back to the sheriff's place after he offs her family either because yeah. he knew she was going there or he was looking for the sheriff who's not there but she's there so because we have the whole water thing at the beginning because he was going to attack the wife of the sheriff but the mm -hmm. other guy the other cop shows up and gets her but while frosty is there he sees these two go in and he decides to off those two instead so that was the whole motivation with that uh but yeah oh, i missed scene, all that shit i'm glad I mark missed, paid attention to that I, part yeah <laughs> I apparently we did oh i also like to point out that she asked for wine he pours a glass of wine, but the bottle he has is explicitly champagne, and he drinks champagne. Yes, yet, yes. Yeah, and he, he chugs it out of the bottle and then wonders why it doesn't go down easily. And it's never stated. You see, yeah, he chugs it down, and it's He's actually like, champagne because it goes blown. But in the cup, it's wine. So then he gets the ice cubes that he puts in the cup that he chopped out of the freezer where the carrots there to give you the indication, oh, Jack is in the freezer. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh my God. Yep. Oh my God. I'm so, sorry, I pay attention way no, too you, I'm thankful you did because obviously Doc and I must have been playing with our balls or something during <laughs> that part. That was the portion of where I'm looking at my phone and I'm not paying attention to this movie. And, and we also get how they discover the antifreeze. The antifreeze oh, part. The kid, <laughs> the sheriff's kid in the beginning is making him some kind of oatmeal cookie thing that just looks disgusting. And so the sheriff humors him like parents do with some young kids say okay yes i'll take this to work and he tosses it in the garbage but he then he picks it up and chuckles and puts it back in his cop car and you think nothing of it go to the third act where jack has snuck and has melted himself into the cop car with the sheriff and the son who are trying to get away so he smashes the snowman with the cookies and his head starts to melt and so the sheriff asks the son what did you put in those cookies and the son goes well I didn't want you to get cold so I put antifreeze in him which just takes that whole cookie thing to a whole nother level what was wrong with the, the thing that threw me off about it looked like it was like a 10 year old kid trying to play six yeah <laughs> and at six you go okay six-year-old puts antifreeze in something fine ten-year-old i'm a little more concerned so 
<laughs> yeah. Why is this kid not being watched at all? Why is he allowed full reign? The six-year-old allowed full reign of the house to cook, to bake cookies yeah. by himself and have enough time to use antifreeze as one when, of the ingredients. When mom isn't there to pay attention. <laughs> This takes a latchkey kid to a whole nother level. (laughs) And they're all in there. You're all in the room when he's glopping this thing up for him, too. So it's not like mom was. It's like, no, there's something weird going on with it. And they don't really explore it. But there's something doesn't quite seem right about that kid. (laughs) I think you could say that about a lot of the people, a lot of the things in this movie. Now, let's get to the shit. Let's get to the shit of this movie. Doc, what if there was anything that was the worst part of this movie? What would it be for you? I, I don't understand why he arrested him in the first place. They do the flashback where they show him arresting him, and sheriff just kind of there's a car pulled over to the side of the road, you know, no no paint on it at all. It's like down to almost bare metal, and Jack Frost like walks out of the nearby forest, and he's like basically just goes, I had to stop to pee. And I don't, I'm so maybe Mark paid attention and I didn't. It just seems like he goes from, yeah, I just had to go pee, and the sheriff going, I'm arresting you, you know, I got to arrest you now. And I'm like, did you, did he recognize him? Was there, a, you know, because it was, I know there was this giant manhunt. Did he, did Barney Fife suddenly remember the wanted sign? They don't really, I didn't grasp that they made it clear. So all it just came across was like, he's an asshole cop <laughs> seeing this guy with a shitty car and I have to arrest him. And he lucked out into getting the mass serial killer. Mark well, is giving me an interesting look now. <laughs> no, um, no, the way that, the way it, that's actually played out for me was, I mean, he's a small town cop for one. OK, so he's not that experienced. True. It, they it make actually, that very clear. If, if we put this in 2020 perspective, it's actually kind of understandable how the cop is paranoid at almost a too real level. Uh, the guy resists following his first instruction of he, barely, he, barely. But still, no, I'm just I'm saying how that because they imply anyway, this is not the Uh, Of sheriffs in small towns go, he is not the best sheriff. They say that he can't hit the broadside of the barn anyway when he Mm -hmm. shoots. Mm -hmm. They make other digs towards this sheriff. So it is already implied he's not the best sheriff in town or the best person that really should be a sheriff. This is totally out of his wheelhouse. He's just there to write parking tickets. He's that guy. Right. So he's he's ready to arrest everybody. He's but he's nervous because of his inexperience (laughs) and his poor poor duty of a job so he has a guy who he asks twice to do something and he doesn't do it so he starts to get panicky and so he asks the guy to get on his knees and whatnot and then he ends up capturing the the it never really got that he recognized him it was more of he's not the greatest cop and he just got very paranoid very quickly when this guy put up any kind of resistance which if you look at the way this town even though they make digs at the sheriff people listen to the sheriff when he says something i'm going to do this they do it so he runs across the first person who's got kind of a crummy car who's acting a little suspicious out of the bushes and he's resisting him the cop the cop asks for his license he starts walking towards the car the cop yells at him he goes yeah i thought you wanted my license it's in the car yeah (laughs) 
What do you want me to do? But I, I don't. I never <laughs> just. Just. Per- I'm arresting you now. That's what. He, that's how <laughs> yeah. it read to me, and I'm just like, well, yeah. Like you said, now reading, watch. At the time, I would have been just like, he's an idiot. Now it's just like, yeah, it feels a little more ACAB. Yeah. <laughs> that it, it was. Well, and then yeah. Jack Frost goes from zero to twenty six. Yeah. Also like that. In, it, it, instantly. I'm a. But he, he and he doesn't attempt to get away. It's he sits there and goes. He puts. He goes, is this the position? He puts his hands behind his head and goes down on his knees. And it's not like crummy sheriff walks over and he's trying. He like hits him and tries to run away. And sheriff accidentally knocks him out. He apparently complies this whole time. I'm like, why would Jack at this point then comply? Was he expecting that he would somehow get away after the fact? There's no one else there. It's just him and, and, and Small Town Sheriff. You would think Small Town Sheriff comes by, he would just, you know, punch him in the balls and get in his car laughing and run away. Well, So that just feels really like, well, it felt in this movie with a giant mutated snowman, that part felt contrived to me. <laughs> It was, though. No, you're fully right. They do drop a line earlier about the guys trying to figure out how some dimwit small-town sheriff ended up capturing him, and they said, well, maybe he wanted to get caught, and maybe that's what they were trying to play at it. I'm not. I'm fully agreeing yeah, with you. Yeah. It's, I, I fully see the weakness of this scene, and the point, it, they didn't need to do this scene at all. There, it really Agreed. served no purpose. And at the same time, you look at it, and it is it is kind of it is head scratching for what the situation was supposed to be. You know, it's not like he pulls a guy over for a parking ticket and then he sees the one ad in his sheriff car and happens to capture the guy or tase him and capture him or whatever. It, it plays out awkwardly. And it, I agree. It, it's a weak scene that really isn't needed. Because I liked it better in my imagination when I didn't know how he did it. Right. They I don't want to know how Boba Fett got out of the Sarlacc pit. He <laughs> just got out. Exactly. No, he's he's just out. I don't care. You, you don't it's not care. important. Right. In this case, we established enough that Bumbling Cop happened to catch Serial Killer. That's all you yeah. need. You don't need to visually see it. You established it. We buy into it. You've already got the giant snowman. Why put this flashback in there when it's not needed and it doesn't add anything? You're right. Nothing happens. Nothing happens and you know exactly what the point of it all is. And then that goes to what I feel is like the the killer of this movie is that it's entirely too predictable. Mm -hmm. And because of this, it is boring. It is. (laughs) Yes, it's not an awful movie by any stretch of the imagination. It is just boring because you've seen it before. You know every beat that's going to happen. You know how it's going to go down and you're just waiting for the inevitable ending of this movie. That's all you're... There's, but it has those little elements like the antifreeze and how he was created and some of the kills that keep you... that sustain you going through this... I'm just going to say this, and I don't know if you guys agree with me. Through this real, it was a slog to get through this one. It's just, it's kind of, it's just there. It's not, I'm not pissed that I watch it. There's just nothing particularly all that interesting about anything that goes on in it. Because it's just so blah. You know everything that's going down in it. It, It's a, yeah, you know, you know what's going on. I mean, I found some enjoyment in it. I didn't find it completely boring, but at the same time, 
I don't find any surprises in it because you watched enough horror. You know, like you said, it seems like just as you're about ready to check out, they add either a creative kill or some other creative scenario that actually kind of triggers you like, oh, okay, I want to kind of see where this goes. Let's face it. I, I love the first kill because we don't see it. It's an old man frozen with his head jacked all the way back. Yep. And the three of them standing around there, small towning it till the white guy goes, oh, I remember going to Mr. Hoover's, you know, uh, orchard and being caught stealing his apples. And the, the, the what what's a great gimmick, and they actually, it's kind of an airplane moment, is the, the, the rocking chair is rocking slightly with the, ba- the dead guy in it and it's rocking and the sheriff is talking to him and then just stops in mid-conversation and says, take your foot off the chair. <laughs> well, it gets right to that point yeah. for anybody that's watching yeah. where they would look at each other and go, why is that chair rocking? Like they would, like the audience, yeah. it's an audience participation moment yeah, where yes. you know it's gone on that long that someone in the crowd is going to say, why is that chair rocking? And then they they hit you with the the you know the line immediately. So there is some there are some good elements to this, but it, it, uh, it is just there though. You're absolutely right. It's it's there. I mean, it's got a gimmick, and yeah. I mean, I don't regret watching the first one. Uh, no, I don't regret it either. And having said all this, boys, you know how we do this. We got to give our jingle balls ratings on on the these movies doc how many jingle balls out of two do you give jack frost i would give it one jingle ball i I think as we've kind of noted it's not horrible by any stretch of the imagination it is reasonably competently built up um i accept the snowman because it's the same snowman in every scene they don't try and get too weird they don't try and stretch beyond what they can accomplish with it it's it's cut reasonably well the effects are limited but they're they do what they do with them it's got that uh, the way the characters are written they get a little more depth than you would expect for one of these films in a lot of ways so they're not caricatures in that way it it has some clever moments it has some amusing moments it's nothing special. It's nothing where you're going to get done with it and be so excited that you want to share it with somebody else. It's, it is competent and and mildly entertaining, enjoyable, I, enjoyable yeah, to I, watch. I would agree with you completely. I'll also give it one jingle ball out of two for all the same reasons. I won't reiterate them. It's it. You're not going to run out and say even admit that you watched Jack Frost maybe some somewhere down the line somebody will be like hey have you seen that Jack Frost movie You'd be like oh yeah I saw it what'd you, what'd you think about it it was okay if we're flipping through channels and it pops up and somebody goes hey should we put this on for a while I'd be like sure but I'm not gonna be like oh put that on for a minute yeah yeah oh That's have you guys seen Jack Frost no that'll never that'll never happen mark how many jingle balls I give it a jingle balls and a hook a one jingle ball and a hook to hang it by <laughs> oh, now we have books. Books. And last year it was a Yule log. Now it's hey books. <laughs> I got your Yule log right here. No, it's a hook to hey hang And the only reason is, and it's a small gimmick and it's ridiculous, but the film actually acknowledges there's another film that's more lighthearted called Jack Frost. In the very beginning, when we, just before we see the guys inside the armor truck, there's an ornament on the front of the truck 
that is the Jack Frost from the Michael Keaton Jack Frost movie. Oh, is it? Yes. If you look at it, it's the exact same pose. It's pretty much the exact same guy. If you look at it, it's not the Jack Frost from the movie that we see later on. If you look at him, I I honestly think it's supposed to be the Michael Keaton Jack Frost uh, uh, guy. If you look at him. Because I, I caught it. It's just brief before, like, the snow covers and you get to the co- the driver's side of the guys driving the armored truck. But it's it's there. Um, and there's other little bits, too. Yeah, it's it's predictable. It's, it's eh. But it's not something that you, like the next film we're going to talk about, um... It's not one that you felt like you got completely raked over the coals. You can put this on in the background. <laughs> if you're wrapping presents and you need some background film or something, we aren't kidding that it's in a Hallmark horror, holiday horror film, in that you know those films are predictable. They follow a formula. You watch them. Men, some of them, many of them, people find entertainment in them because of the familiarity. And I think that's what it is that I actually enjoy in this is because even though they threw in the little bits of the concept of how Jack Frost dies and how he was conceived, rest of it is very familiar territory. And so it's Mm -hmm. more of a a comfort food of, okay, this isn't anything new, but it's also something that I'm looking for a holiday horror film going by a theme or whatever. I could pop this in and... I know what it's going to be, and I'm not going to hate myself by the end of it for watching it. And that's what the first Jack Frost film is, and it should have stopped. Being very specific when you say first, you keep repeating the word first, Mark. I'm not yeah. quite sure I understand. It's, yeah, someone's triggered here. I think a lot of what the feeling for this movie is, other than it just being lighthearted, is the look of the movie. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. looks like a direct 90s direct-to-video hallmark type film right nothing is that dynamic yes there are some interesting camera setups but for the most part Mm -hmm. we're talking medium close-ups and wides for almost everything and it's shot fairly flatly without really flashy lighting other than the 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 few moments where there's some craziness with like the water effects and stuff yep yeah, they do but that it's just a- enough where it's not annoying to me. Nope. You are listening to Astro Radio Z. Merry fucking Christmas. Welcome to the bottom rack. Top shelf entertainment. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, it's been a while, hadn't it? <clears throat> Hello. Welcome to the bottom rack. Bottom shelf entertainment for your top shelf lifestyle. I'm Daniel. Well, name's Daniel. My friends call me Daniel. Dan, it just it 
the hell was it? It kind of turns into whatever now. And uh, I watch movies, mostly from the bottom rack. And it's kind of sort of evolved. One great thing about being my age or basically just the incessant march of time that you can't stop is that on a long enough timeline, every movie hits the bottom rack. (laughs) Everything hits the discount bin. And uh, anyway, so yet I'm rambling on and... uh, how you doing? It's been a while. It feels like it's been a while. I think it has been a while. But uh, anyway, lots going on. Lots of things happening. But y'all aren't here for that. You're here for the movies. And fa-la-la-la-la, wouldn't you know it, we are at the end of the year. And I'm a giving sort of person. So I've got two. That's right. Two movies for you. Uh, you Yeah, I guess they are on the bottom rack. Actually, I've always considered them like top shelf entertainment. I mean, this is just, this is my bread and butter. And so I think maybe now they're still considered in the bottom rack, but doesn't matter. The first one I want to hit you up with is a little fool. It's while I try to learn to speak properly (laughs) is a little full moon ditty from a full moon entertainment. That's right. I mean, we all know that I am a full moon mark. It, uh, I, and my name isn't even Mark, <laughs> but I love full moon movies. The first movie, of course, a Christmas movie, believe it or not. That's right. I didn't realize this until I watched it last month. I was like, oh, my God, I should have waited. But regardless, 1984's Trancers. Don't piss me off. That's right. The first up in my little bottom rack uh, menagerie that we have going on, a uh, du- duology, duology whatever. Two movies coming at you. The first one, Transfers with Tim Thomerson, directed by Charles Band. Writers were Danny Bilson, Paul DeMeo. It came out in 1984. It's like, wow, it, that kind of struck me because I didn't, I didn't see this movie probably until I was like maybe 10, 11, something like that. It's like I was right at the tween era and uh, yeah, just of course as a kid with all my crazy sci-fi stuff that I love. So I mean, this movie, it just fit Right in there. <laughs> Let's see if I could be polite with this one. And I mean, look, this is a fun movie. It is a nice, brisk one hour and 16 minutes. I mean, this is just, this movie is great. For those of those in my block, <laughs> my little generational block, I mean, you probably look back on this movie fondly. If it's been a long time since you've seen this movie, hell, I suggest watching it. It's really cool. There's a lot that this movie wanted to be uh, among them being good. (laughs) Sorry, that was me. There's a lot that this movie wanted to be. It is a good movie. It is a fun movie. The most important thing is that it's a fun movie, whether it's good or not. The, let's see if I can give you, all right, first off, because it's been a bit, so forgive me. I'm not rambling. I'm just having fun. Let's look at this whole here, uh, ye old box art. Let me go ahead and pull this bad boy up and zoom it in. All right. Trancers is kind of sort of like a Kmart version of Blade Runner. Well, I don't want to say that because that was actually that movie Nemesis that I love so much. Like that movie was kind of sort of a Kmart Blade Runner. Trancers would be more like Dollar General. <laughs> if you, Trancers would be like if the uh, if Blade Runner and the Terminator had a baby in a Big Lots dumpster. That's okay. I kind of like it here. 
Cooper. <laughs> Jeez, I'm not helping it here. Trances is a fun movie. This, I think, if I remember right, I'm not going to research this crazy. Y'all could do that on your own. But if I remember reading right, like this has been Charles Band's big thing. Like subspecies, puppet master, that's full moons, like that's their flagship properties. But if I remember reading like Trancers was Charles Band's big idea, like this was his thing, because he's more into sci-fi than he is into horror. So Trancers is the story of Jack Death. That's <laughs> that's right. His name is Jack Death. And it's a time traveling movie. So I'm pull up from IMDB since it's so old. It's kind of let's see if I can uh, find us a good synopsis here. Actually, I'm going to take from uh, my buddy Mark and uh, let's see what I can find real quick on Google. Just real quickly. Let's see what kind of. Uh... All right, here we go. Actually, he's right. Dang. Glad I remember this. All right. Google usually has better synopses for films. So <clears throat> a trooper leaves 2247 Angel City for 1985 Los Angeles to stop a zombie mystic out to change history. <laughs> That's freaking cool. So if you didn't know what Transers is, that might get you to watch it. Okay. The story is that in the future, it's, of course, your typical far future dystopian wasteland. And Jack Death is a cop. Uh, I mean, his description here is a cop slash bounty hunter in the bleak Los Angeles of the future. And there are these creatures that I don't know if they're vampires or and or zombies or what they are, but they're called trancers. And here's kind of the description, because I'm trying my best not to spoil this because it also is such an old movie, but it's, it's just a fun movie. So I really don't want to spoil it. If you haven't seen, it, I want you to go in blind. And if you have seen it and are stumbling <laughs> through the synopsis of it, go watch it again. Jack Death is a trooper. It's called Angel City. And he's hunting down the last of the disciples of this guy named Whistler. And Whistler has like psychic power stuff that he trances the weak-minded. And they basically become like zombies, crazy zombies or whatever. Well, Whistler travels back in time because he has to hunt down like some ancestor. Not His name's not John Connor, but he has to hunt down some. Essentially, it's like that. It's a... Uh, <laughs> as to hunt down the city council. So remember your local elections, people. They have consequences. <laughs> Sorry. He has to go back and rescue some. It doesn't matter. Some drunk guy named Hap Ashby. But guess what? This movie does have a really young, really hot Helen Hunt. A really young, really hot Helen Hunt. Did I just say that twice? Because damn, that deserved twice. Anyway, Transfers is Jack Death. It has like. I think about 20 minutes or so of him in this bleak dystopian Los Angeles future, which is pretty cool considering Full Moon kind of didn't really have that much money when they made this. So it's very believable. Also due to the fact that this movie, I have a VHS print, a digital VHS print, because before it came out on Blu-ray, it was really tough to find this. And I am not ashamed to admit the things that I did to get a hold of this movie just to have it because I kind of do that now with flicks, especially if they don't have Blu-rays. I now own the Blu-ray of this flick, but I still enjoy watching the old AVI file that I had. There's something magical about the VHS quality of this thing. So 
Transfers on VHS has that grain filter to it, kind of a graininess, and then just that sound. Just overall, there is a warmth, and I hate to sound it. Just being an audio guy, I love sound, and of course, being a cinephile as well. But there's just an analog warmth on this flick that the Blu-ray transfer is nice, but. If you've got VHS, man, watch this thing on VHS. It's just worth it. Something about just the fluttering of the capstans, maybe watching it, and just it's just nice. So anyway, Jack Death goes back in time, and he's possessed the body of somebody or whatever, kind of like a mind switch over thing, sort of, I think. Kind of like Quantum Leap, but not really. It never really explains that. <laughs> but anyway, he goes back in time to find Whistler. And hijinks ensues. I'm not going to spoil that. You know, I don't like to do too many spoilers. Uh, It's kind of, like I said, this thing really wanted to be a whole lot of things. And I think that's kind of what hindered it, other than the fact that not having that much money. But, I mean, you got a dash of the Terminator. You got some sprinklings of Blade Runner. uh, A little bit of, uh, like, a 007 James Bond kind of thing. Um, and then you add in, I think it was aunt, whatever her name was from the sitcom family matters. She's in it too. Um, oh yeah. And Art LaFleur, rest in peace. He's in it. And I mean, it's got like these people that we've bumped into here and there. You may recognize Danny Bilson, Paul DeMeo, the writers of this flick were, um, Murphy and Bellows from the flash TV series, the nineties flash TV series with John Wesley Shipp. So that was a, there's a nice little thing. So somehow or another, there's a tie-in with that. And again, I'm rambling. Let's go to the box art for transfers before we get done with this. This movie was straight to the bottom shelf. It was straight to DVD. The cover art, because this is the ultimate test, the litmus test, the barometer for do I enjoy it or whatnot. On transfers, you've got at the top, transfers in a pretty cool, looks like a bank gothic type font with some kind of weird grid trapper keeper thing. I mean, it, look. This cover looks like a Trapper Keeper art. So, I mean, bonus points to that. It's airbrushed, a lot of lens flares and stuff like that. Under the title, we got a nice little slug line here. Let's see if I, um, his name, all right, let's do this right. His name is Death. He hunts trancers, even in the 20th century. And you've got Tim Thomerson. Looks like they drew him about (laughs) 15 to 20 years younger than he is in the flick. But Tim Thomerson is staring at you with this motorcycle helmet and this like five o'clock, maybe 530 shadow beard. He's got a scar on his face, got a couple of crow's feet, and he's holding like this silenced pistol thing with like a robot hand or whatever looking at you. This is one of those, just look at the art, and it's like, wow, that's cool. Appreciate it for about, you know, 20, 30 seconds and then move on. Because (laughs) kind of like some of the earlier Capcom box box art for NES games, the longer you look at it, the worse it gets. So (laughs) it's just kind of, I'm I'm not trashing this movie at all, even though it's some of the stuff. Look, it hasn't aged well. I'm going to be honest with you. But in my honesty, I'm also going to tell you, I mean, look, this movie's fun. You've watched a lot worse. We all have, believe me, especially this past summer. Transfers is freaking awesome. Tim Thomerson, I mean, yeah, it's just cool. Does the box art, does the movie deliver what the box art promises? Yeah, no. Um... The setting for it is really cool. 
like the wide shots they give the, or I guess they call it establishing shots. Hell, if I know, I'm not a filmmaker, but you know, the establishing shots of like this dystopian LA and stuff. It all does that. But um, as far as in the show, Tim Thomerson doesn't have a cool ass gun like that. He actually just has like this 38 spec. Well, I, I take that back. He does. He's got a pretty cool gun at the beginning. So I can't really do that. But like, does he have this cool motorcycle helmet? No, he doesn't. He's got that feathery, floby hair that he does that uh oh yeah <laughs> the funny line you know wet hair he uh he does the wet hair look so uh yeah it, as far as the cover art i don't know i guess honestly it the cover the movie does not deliver what the cover said well half because tim thomerson is there and he looks grizzled the same way that he does in the photo so and you know it's got this nice little 80s aesthetic so I don't know if this were in school. I mean, I might give it a D as far as the now the box art looks cool, but does it have anything to do with the movie? Not really. <laughs> but look, it's transfers. You wanted some bottom shelf entertainment, and especially in this joyous time of year, you want something that has to do with Christmas. Well, there you go. Transfers is a Christmas flick, so I'm. I know everybody's here, but Die Hard the Christmas. I know. Yes, I know. I know. Everybody knows Die Hard's a Christmas movie, whatever. Enjoy Die Hard and Gremlins, but if you're tired of that, transfers. Trust me, it's fun. What are you doing? Dry hairs for squids. Let's get out of here. But the main attraction, the piece de resistance. Well, actually, you know what? More like the pieces de resistance. This one is near and dear to my heart, even more than Trancers was. This movie, sort of like a, uh, the movie A Perfect Weapon, there was a movie roundabout. Uh, the uh, trailer was making its rounds on HBO, and I saw it. There were some movies I might have got, like direct-to-video movies and stuff. I remember seeing this trailer several times, probably even on TV. The trailer for this flick had, I mean, this this is just like the perfect weapon this is that late 80s early 90s just straight to video sci-fi stupid dialogue but you love it just over the top dripping with machismo wait a minute christmas is machismo that's right i am talking about i come in peace shit for a CD player. Huh! Son of a bitch! Christmas. 
I mean, we all know this flick. And if you don't know this flick, like if there's anybody that does not know this, turn well, you can actually listen to it. I'm not going to spoil this movie at all. But the and there's no way to. I mean, even even if I were to spoil it, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> That's the beauty of these movies. I Come in Peace came out in 1990, stars Dolph Lundgren, and it's got that really cool, tall Swedish dude. I can't remember his name. Uh, oh, there's the page on IMDb. Hold up just a second. I'll give you his. I think it's Matthias something. He's a really tall Swedish dude, and he's been in stuff, mostly direct video stuff. Uh, you might recognize him. He was in Kickboxer 2 uh, against uh, whatever his name was, Sasha Mitchell. He was the first opponent for Sasha Mitchell, Matthias Hughes. And uh, he is just, all right, <laughs> he has a name called Talek, but his real main credit is that he is just called the Bad Alien. That's the beauty of this film. Honestly, it's pretty Lovecraftian. I will get to that momentarily because I know everybody's like, Lovecraftian. And people just love banding that term. It's like a nice little tagline or whatever. But this movie actually is. So stick with me a little bit and I'll get with you. I mean, he, Matthias Hughes has been like in a whole bunch of stuff, but I mean, the main thing, like this was his, this was the one you'd probably recognize him from. If, if there is one movie that you would recognize that dude from, it's going to be, I come in peace because you'll recognize the line. I come in peace. So cool. And like, as a little kid, let's see, 1990, I looked up and saw this. This was, if I remember right, I'm not trying to misremember, but I do believe this was like an HBO, like it came out on HBO flick, um, which means it premiered on HBO, I believe, or like it hit direct video and like the next week it hit HBO. <laughs> I remember that. I just, I remember seeing it roundabouts whenever it had first come out. Stars Dolph Lundgren, Mr. He-Man himself, master of the universe. He's got that close crop, really badass 80s, almost mullet. Must be some party. Bad. Like, this is Dolph Lundgren in tip-top shape. He was in Rocky Four, and then he's just gone back to being normal. Unfortunately, like, his more lower budget, kind of hanging around the bottom shelf area. But this is one of his cooler movies, <laughs> I say cooler. It's schlock. We'll go ahead and just say that it's schlock. But yeah, Dolph Lundgren, Matthias Hughes is the bad alien, and Brian Ben Ben, who looks like. All right, you remember twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Danny DeVito? All right. If Arnold Schwarzenegger is Kevin Costner, <laughs> Brian Ben Ben is Danny DeVito. <laughs> if they remade twins, they would have Kevin Costner and Brian Ben Ben playing in that movie. Cause I'm serious. He's like a four foot tall Kevin Costner. The resemblance is uncanny. They might even be related. Uh, the only other thing I remember Brian Ben Ben being in, he was in a TV show. But I, again, talking about the actors in a flick that is just so freaking cool. So I come in peace as the most memorable trailer. And you know what? I'm going to get to the box art in just a minute, but let me just go ahead. I'm going to play the audio from this trailer because this trailer was so badass as a kid. There's an actual VHS print that I found on YouTube. So here is the I Come in Peace trailer. Now, it was later renamed Dark Angel, but I think the European release title is still I Come in Peace. So here you go. Well-armed men have their throats cut before they can even draw their weapons. <laughs> 
I might do something really cool, like, you know, maybe some music, and I might do that still. But, I mean, but why argue with success? Know what I mean? I mean? The trailer does it all. Wow. So, let's check out the box art for this here I Come in Peace. All right. This looks like it might be, all right, it looks like a photocopy scan of VHS or maybe even a promo poster off of IMDb. This is... Let's see, we've got a silhouette photoshopped, a horribly photoshopped silhouette of Matthias Hughes. You got a cityscape in the background at night, of course. The alien looking down and Dolph Lundgren like standing with his gun pointed up off screen because he's badass. And it says Dolph Lundgren, Dark Angel. And then up in the corner, you got Jack Kane, Houston cop, human. What he's up against isn't. And that's like the stupidest slug line thingy I could think. Jesus, God, awful, absolutely terrible. <laughs> so I pulled up something. Let's see. I pulled up one on Google. Uh, all right. I had a VHS of this one. Now, here's an image of the old VHS cover that I had. This has it's kind of sort of the same thing. It's got different font and up the top it says Dolph Lundgren. And then the title, I come in peace. And the, below that, you've got Matthias Hughes with his little neck, head, sucky thing, armband thing that he stabs people in the face with and, like, injects them and sucks the shit out of them. And you got Dolph Lundgren holding the gun, again, looking off camera. And, it, uh, and I can't even read the font because it's so small. But there was a re-release of some box art, and this is badass. You got like that seedy thing in the background with explosions, Dolph Lundgren running at you. You got the f- alien's face on there. The Dolph Lundgren, I come in peace. And then the, this just badass lines. It's not a close encounter. It's the last. <laughs> I mean, let's do this again. Music. <clears throat> it's not a close encounter. It's the last. Dolph Lundgren. I come in peace. (laughs) I mean, seriously? Okay. I come in peace is about an alien who comes down to Earth during Christmas. Uh Merry Christmas, y'all. 
Alien comes down and starts knocking people off. I mean, he's just killing them. First opening scene, riding in the car, boom, meteor hits. So you think, so crash lands and dude's dead. Comes up, it's like, I come in peace. And something happens, probably not what. But then we move to movie B. Movie B, Dolph Lundgren is an undercover cop with his partner and they're doing a drug bust with some guys called the White Boys who were like yuppie drug dealers or whatever. And, uh, oh, yeah, you remember Bub from Day of the Dead? Bub is in it. He's Victor Manning, the head dude. Anyway, so Dolph Lundgren is doing a sting operation with some drug dealers, and his partner is in there, and then they, they, they yuck it up, and the usual horrible dialogue goes, and as it progresses, you realize that the uh, partner is in trouble. Well, just as Mr. Lundgren is just sitting there, oh, yeah, and his name's Jack Kane. Isn't that like the most coolest, unbelievable name for a movie? I just, seriously. Anyway, he's sitting there with the bug listening to the wiretap. Well, then what wouldn't you know it, as always happens in the 80s, Two thugs are going in to rob a liquor store right across the street. I mean, every damn time. So, being the hero that he is, Jack Kane has to go and stop it. So, he goes in and starts beating those people up in the liquor store, like kicking ass, couple of cowboy boots to the face. And uh, I think, if I remember, he kicked a dude so hard he went deaf or blind. I can't remember if that was this movie or if that was Van Damme and Cyborg, but that happened. True story. Look it up. Anyway. Goes back to his car. Well, too late. Partner's dead. It was a bloodbath, a massacre. And we don't know what. Well, we do know what. What was, was that the alien drops down and there's like the CD thing that he fires out. that just like a high speed phantasm ball. And it just goes and nearly decapitates people. Well, the partner's dead. Jack Kane comes in. Partner's gone. Sucks. He's mad. Blames it on Victor Manning. Let's go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, well, whatever. Come on. Come on. Without a college degree. Even about a master's, at least. Guy can become desperate. Might have to join the army. Turn to a life of crime. <laughs> 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 or become a cop. <laughs> Why don't we just cut the crap, man, and then get down to business? What university did you attend? The University of Suck My Dick. <laughs> He's in trouble. You got the cock command. You're a loose cannon, Kane. Yeah, but this is the part of the fight. You disappeared for two weeks. Yeah, but you got the fight. I don't know why I'm talking like Sylvester Stallone. It's the usual just schlock dialogue. It's so cool. But in this opening sequence, it's these first few scenes. We've established drug dealers. We've established a rogue cop the renegade cop he's on the outs with his girlfriend who happens to be the uh medical examiner for the cops and he's got a bad attitude or whatever so enter the federal agents who are looking into the crime that we don't know why long story short aliens okay aliens are here this alien is killing people to do something and there's another alien who's come to stop him let's talk about the gun that freaking gun, man, when I was a little kid, I loved the sound of that gun. Just like, and it's just like this wall of explosions that just follow. It's just like an infinite ammo bandana on, and he's just sitting there just unloading. I freaking love it. Do I want to spoil this? Actually, no, I don't. There is a reason that that 
the alien has come to Earth to kill people. And it ties in actually pretty well with the story. It's like you, I could analyze this and overanalyze it and it's probably spending way too much time on it <laughs> than it deserves. I, I don't know. I think it's really clever. And the more I watch it, the more I really enjoy this. There is a Blu-ray transfer of this and I highly recommend you watch this. I would also recommend, I mean, if you've got a VHS copy of this, watch it. I've got one badass. You should watch it. I, the VHS is cool. Again, there's just, there's an analog warmth that some of these movies add. Terminator, I Come in Peace, as I just mentioned earlier, Transfers. There's an analog warmth that you just, that some movies get. However, the Blu-ray transfer of this flick is freaking exquisite, like, mm, like delicious. And so whichever one you buy, you want to eBay this bad boy for the VHS, go ahead. You want to spring 20 bucks, 10 bucks, maybe five at Walmart for the uh, Blu-ray of this, get it. Being the connoisseur of this film that I am, I want the VHS because the title is I Come in Peace. And if you get the Blu-ray, it's going to be renamed or whatever. But maybe, maybe not. Regardless, I Come in Peace is so freaking cool. The trailer is badass. Aliens running around. Dolph Lundgren kicking people. The coolest taglines ever. Shitty dialogue. <laughs> a, a cosmic horror and yet rogue cop, loose cannon, vigilante, ass kicking, kick to the face, drug dealing movie. All rolled into one. Yes, it is Lovecraftian. Like I, I'm serious. There, aliens from another planet. There is a whole universe going on, even though they don't even expand on it. The little hints that they give, the little subtleties of it. Uh, somewhere around this time, didn't that movie Alienation come out as well? So I'm wondering if this was sort of like a, sort of like riffing on that movie. Doesn't matter. I like this a hell of a lot better than Alienation. It's not to say Alienation was bad, but we're not talking about Alienation. I'm talking about I come in peace because at the end of this, whenever you come up against Dolph Lundgren, you may come in peace, but guess what? I come in peace. And you go in pieces, asshole. That's right. Merry Christmas, y'all. I'm Dan, Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Banano, Dan the Animal. Doesn't matter. Merry Christmas. It's been a hell of a year. This has been the Bottom Rack, part of the Astro Radio Z Network. Thank you so much, Derek, for having me. Let me be a part of the family and uh, all my friends and all the gimmicks and everybody else. Thank you. Uh, I'm sorry. just kind of rambling. I don't want to. Look, Merry Christmas. Thank y'all so much. Y'all have a Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Happy New Year. Anyway, I come in peace, and I am not going to go in pieces, all right? (laughs) Y'all take care, and I'll holler at you later. Merry fucking Christmas. Astro Radio Z. This is Astro Radio Z and we love talking about movies with you. If you are looking for more episodes, and want to become part of the show, go to patreon.com, forward slash, Astro Radio Z and become a monthly subscriber to have access to not only over 100 plus bonus episodes of content, 
but a monthly bonus episode of Astro Radio Z Uncensored with Mark the Movie Man where you, the listener tell us what to cover on the show. Jump in. Make Astro Radio Z yours and become a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com forward slash Astro Radio Z. Moving on to the second film of the podcast, Jack Frost 2, Return of the Killer Snowman, or as I'll call it, Caribbean Frost. (laughs) We we take (laughs) the characters of our our lawman and his deputy, who's about to get married to the receptionist. They're about to have a destination wedding Mm -hmm. in the Caribbean. And somehow... (sighs) Stupid. Is it a is it a, a Hawaiian island? I never quite grasped I don't, that. I, I thought it was just some indescript Caribbean island. Well, there is that one dude it's, with a Jamaican accent. I was going to so, say it's got to be Caribbean because you've got a Jamaican accent guy, so that immediately puts it not in Hawaii. So. Sure. <laughs> yep. You have Clearly, the Rastafari. They don't go anywhere have, else. Yep. You have the one. You have the one black guy in the movie, which obviously means that this was supposed to be shot in the Caribbean. I, I am not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's <laughs> what they. That's the trope. Yes. That they put in there. Oh yes. Yeah. Yep. Unf- unfortunately. So so the crew, the the police department go to the Caribbean, (laughs) some jabroni digs up the antifreeze containers of Jack Frost from the grave that they they buried him in at the end of the first one. They start experimenting on him. He's (laughs) the fucking janitor happens to knock coffee into Jack Frost's serum and he comes back to life somehow and makes his way to this island somehow. We have. Oh, no, we, have, we know why. This, we movie know makes, how. this movie makes no fucking no. sense. So Doug Jones ends up stealing the, the nose, the carrot for lunch as he's stranded in the middle of the ocean. Mark, make sense of this to me. Like the setup of this movie, like you had to do that was so Olympic extreme. leaps and bounds to make this make sense in any way, shape, or form. How did Jack Frost go from the the lab at the beginning of the movie to the Caribbean island? Like, how did that happen at all? Well, I mean, he could change himself into water, and so he's traveling through the ocean and water. They establish later on, due to the events at the end of the first one, where the sheriff had been stabbed so he was wounded, when he was melting Jack Frost, they put together that part of Jack Frost combined with the DNA in the sheriff. So Jack Frost had a link to the sheriff to where he could sense him and kind of find him a la Highlander or uh, Jedi mind trick type of thing. So the Venom and Spider-Man. Yeah, again, something I completely missed. Something I completely missed watching this. They repeat the idea of the part of their explanation for the the, the, the ending. Yes. In the third act, they repeat the link like three or four times that, oh, he must have been linked. Oh, you're linked uh, on how, and that's how Jack found him, is that they were linked because they exchanged fluids at the end of the third 
You, you might want to go get a rag for that one, Doc. Well, I lucked out. I was almost at the end of the, that beverage, so I didn't have anything to really spit. Wow, that was worth it right there. You okay, Doc? Oh, ex- yeah, I'm That fine. was a full spit. That was almost, that was pretty much a full <laughs> spit right there. Yeah. Because they exchanged fluids at the end of one, they now have this bond and link into never mind they don't really do anything with it like the sheriff doesn't suddenly get Jack Frost powers or can control him or anything it's just given as the gimmick of how Jack found them in the Caribbean that's the only reason they have any gimmick which was disappointing because it was a missed opportunity to do like all kinds of weird crazy stuff you know but they don't it was just the setup for how Jack Frost found him in the Caribbean. Was the and how, then kill him at the end. And how to kill him yep. at the end, yeah. yeah. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. The first act of this movie is so disjointed. Oh, it is. And edited so poorly and put together so poorly that that's the reasoning for my confusion. Because by the end of this movie, I was so far checked out, I might as well have been down the street at someone else's house. It's it's so uninteresting. And it's just thrown together. Just thrown together. You have to take such like leaps in logic to connect the dots at the beginning of this where we go from the the core group from the first movie the cops are going to the caribbean to get married then we switch over to some lab digging up jack frost the the janitor knocks the coffee into his tank then the tank just bubbles up goes over and then there's two assholes in a raft in the middle of the ocean never explained who these fucking assholes are one is doug jones the famous you know yeah character yeah. actor doug jones hanging out arguing over a carrot that they have and of course it's jack frost's nose how they got it we have no fucking well, no, idea it's just a carrot but it just happens to be a carrot and so he gets the carrot it's not necessarily jack frost's nose specifically it's his just old carrot was all beat up and burned at the end of the last one. He just wanted oh, a fresh like, one. Yeah, dude. so he's just ah. getting a new carrot because that's just like how he, you know, he he got the charcoal uh, coal balls later from uh, the island where they had charcoal yeah. uh, because it wasn't it was he, it wasn't his carrot specifically. It was just a carrot, and he happened to come across them and sensed the carrot. I don't know. It's ridiculous. I'm not trying to justify the ridiculousness and the horriblenessness of how they get Jack to this island. It, it makes no freaking sense. And they didn't. Again, if they're going to do a sequel like this, there's a wasted opportunity of a lot of different ways they could have gone with it. And they went the late full moon movie route. <laughs> You this was what, like an evil bong movie. You know, yeah, exactly. This, like <laughs> this, bong too. this looks like this looks like later evil bong films. This looks like later Vice Academy films. This looks like that where they went from where they the, it started with kind of looking like a film to now it looks totally like it's just shot on set with poor lighting and no thought put into the story at all. They're just playing off the popularity that Jack Frost one happened to get. And you can tell they just toss it. They're like shooting from their hip. 
the characters in this, I love the character compared to the first movie. The first movie characters are so much better than the characters in this film. Mark, get, are you trying to say that that Captain Fun wasn't a good character in this movie? I sure hope that paint on his face was because he was supposed to be wind burned and not something else completely. <laughs> but it's just yeah, it's so yeah, no. It it did not it was it was not It's it, like yeah. It it is definitely especially the later f- Evil Bong films and the later Ginger Dead Man. That's why I said it's later full moon for sure to where very little thought is put into anything outside of let's just throw all of this together, use the Jack Frost name and put the Jack Frost gimmick up there because the first one was so popular. It, it, it was it's very disappointing because this one you talk about how you were you may have checked out on the on the first one. This one, it's this Dude, is a slog. Thirty minutes into this movie, I have I have like blow by blow notes. First thirty minutes, I have nothing but Z's. Hmm. First hour, more Z's. Twenty minutes to the end, something starts happening. Yeah, the first hour of this movie is fucking nothing. Nothing happens. Doc, how did you stay? How did you stay awake? I think I took notes for about ten minutes and then I gave up on this one. Who makes backwards check marks? Oh, that was that trophy nuts. That was dry. (laughs) That was just irritating to me. In that, okay, so you're speaking about the the lab technicians who are trying to bring Jack Frost back to life and synthesize his elements from the antifreeze, and they're going through. They have this montage, this cross faded montage of all these, you know, beakers and all this bullshit, and they're checking off stuff on their list. I thought the same exact thing. These savages were checking backwards. Who the fuck does that? I start with the little go down and he come back up with the check they were like i don't even know it was it was they were somehow going right to left and i'm like mm, okay everybody's different fine i don't I, i've never seen that <laughs> worst cr- cleaning crew because that vacuum guy deliberately bumps into that thing three times he walks backwards into a room who literally starts off walking backwards into any room then when you're vacuuming, bumps into you bump into something once. You go, oh crap, okay. And he keeps vacuuming backwards into the thing with the coffee cup so that it'll fall. I'm like, no, that guy should be fired. That's not. I. <laughs> this is gonna. I vacuum professionally for a while. That's not what you do. <laughs> and my last note was, shouldn't that international be in quotes? It's like the, the, the small town Colorado has apparently now all of a sudden got an, it, you know, first movie. It's they actually say at one point because the, the 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 guy who's not the FBI agent, who's just a merc working for the company yes. is like, oh, the helicopters with the rest of the men won't be able to come in because this giant snowstorm's coming. They'll just drive in. They'll be a little late. And everybody's like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, we're like up at the top of something. You know, you it's like 20 miles straight up kind of. We're at like a little peak. There's no way. All the snow, you know, you, you know. But they apparently suddenly in the second movie, a year later, have an international airport. 
Jesus Christ. No, and right there, and I'm like, but <sighs> hey, Doc, remember, the International Airport looks like the back patio of somebody's house. That's a bar. That is a bar, <laughs> that sir. Is a bar. <laughs> that is somebody's little bar. It, it's got like this small door. The only reason it looks like an airport is because it's got a sign and people are carrying suitcases into this gimmick. <laughs> and there's a there's a ambient soundtrack yeah, of these, airplanes in the background. Yeah, and, and like announcements they stole from LAX. You know, <laughs> it, that's it the remind, only reason. It, 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 it reminds uh, me. So I'm like, the, all right, fine. It reminded me of the airport in uh, Mega Piranha. In Mega Piranha, there's a scene where they're supposed to be at an airport, and literally on a piece of square cardboard, it says real <laughs> airport that is stuck to the side next to the door. You know, a very cleanly cut cardboard square, but it you can tell it is permanent marker that says real airport. Now you're going to make me flashback briefly to the first movie where we see Jack Frost in his human form ever so briefly in the carrier truck. And very clearly on his lapel, his prisoner number is like masking tape written in impermanent markets. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. Let's go back to this trash heap. Oh, this, this movie is so fucking cheap. And it's just obviously sewn, thrown together. There's, if there was a script written, it was maybe a, a vomit draft at best. The characters, as Mark had said, they aren't there in this movie. The strong suit of part one is you had pretty decently fleshed out characters. There are just, this is the epitome of lazy horror filmmaking where you just introduce characters to get off five minutes later. We have a group of girls that come in killed almost instantly some dude bros that get introduced killed almost in- instantly there it just it keeps happening so you don't really care about anything that's going on you don't care about our core group of people because they are so woefully underwritten in this movie that, that you can't give two shits about a single thing that happens to them at all yeah. so it's it's really 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 tough I wonder and slug through this thing. I wonder if they were given sets and said, "Here's what's available. Make something up." <laughs> and they just they just kind of coughed out a film. Well, I have a feeling Jack Frost one made a bunch of money. Yeah, it yeah. had to have made a bunch of money. So the company is just like, "Hey, why don't we do this again? Let's try another one." Hey guys, and, come on, crank out another one. It, yep, yeah. yep. And I don't. Who yeah. knows? It would have been better had they set it back in the small town. I mean, have him back for revenge or something other than doing the Caribbean angle was just ridiculous. And then they try to play at the ha ha. Look, we're trying to be critters gremlins with the snowball babies who are so blatantly trying to be like the gremlins and the critters. It critters, was hardcore. Critters, especially hardcore. It was painful, painful because they're just these little balls of, of whatever trying to be like critters and failing miserably. Because uh, they didn't have the budget in order to animate well, any yeah. of these oh, things. Of they're so they had like immortal. one or two of them that right. maybe articulated it, a little bit it, but it, the majority of them were just like stuffed animals that's goes, all they were just sitting there yeah it goes no. along with what we were talking about before in the first one they had a limited budget and they worked within their budget here yes. 
they just came up with a concept and figured we'll just make it look the best we can and did not work within their budget. They just threw shit together after their concept, not thinking about, well, could we actually do this? You know? Well, that's the thing is this movie's both of these movies. If there's any death knell to either of these movies, they're just too long. They're way, there's no reason either of these had to be an hour and a half long, especially part two. The only thing that happens in this movie, if this was a 45 minute movie, this would have been fine. It would have been just fine. The last 20 minutes of this movie and maybe a 20 minute setup. Like you remember when Full Moon did those reborn movies back in the 90s where they were going to take they were going to go the um the oh. hammer horror route and redo all the universal horror monsters but it was going to be like a tv show where it was going to be like 45 minutes long they did frankenstein and they did wolfman those were good i i mean for what they were i enjoyed them because they got to the point they were slightly odd enough and then they got the fuck out they knew they weren't going to sit they weren't making a masterpiece Jack Frost 2 shouldn't have been any more than 45 minutes max and maybe it would have been actually fun because by time you get to the last 20 minutes of this movie where the all the baby balls that come out the critters of this movie come out you are so far checked out and when you see how cheap they look and how just they're just sitting everywhere it's all it's I mean hey when you say that John Fasano's rock and roll nightmare and the in the rubber, you know, starfish that are thrown at John Michael Thor in that movie are more believable than these fucking things. You've done fucked up. You done fucked up. So this movie is just a, a fucking huge turd. Just an absolute huge turd. There's not really anything that you can sit and hang your hat on. Obviously, a major sponsor to this movie is a side beer. Mm-hmm. A side beer is literally everywhere in this movie. They must have got all of their budgeting from that Japanese brewery because yeah. literally every shot of this movie has a bottle of that in it or boxes of and it. And they even have a moment where the girls all, yeah, give me one of those. So they even mention it by name. It's not like it's yep. just there in the background. It's, you know. Raymond Burr getting a Dr. Pepper at Godzilla 85. You know, yeah, basically, <laughs> on top of that, the sound in this movie is oh. horseshit. Oh. Just terrible. There is one auditory sting, which you've all heard a million and a half. It, it literally must be played 40 times in this movie. Mm-hmm. Every last time there's a gag, every last time something happens, hits. Well, that's because the agent. It was played every time the agent showed up or left. It was supposed to be agent spy uh, sound cue. That's what they were going for with it because it shows up every time the agent, who just happens to be on the same island that our people are on. um, What a quinky dink there. Um, you know, that is what they were going for with it down to where they have a costume party and he dresses up like a private dick in it with the hat and the jacket and everything. And then they put the sound stinger in there as well. That was the gimmick they were trying with him. And he had an eye patch because he got scratched up by the teeth of Jack in the first one. But we found out he survived somehow, only to be offed 
fairly unceremoniously in this off film. screen. Agreed. Off screen. I mean, they they've carried this guy through a film and a half. He's supposed to be the agent fighter guy, not so competent, but still. And they off him off screen, doing the dumbest thing, not putting two and two together at all that these snowballs are going to eat him. Uh, all the characters have just been completely idiotized. All of them have been been brought down to the moron level. Even our sheriff, who was incompetent but could think of things, the minute the opening of this movie is him trying to deal with his PTSD with his shrink who has it on speakerphone so the people could laugh at the fact he's talking about a killer snowman even though the entire town has seen a killer snowman somehow he's supposed to be delusional and they play this gimmick all the way through he sets up for trying to kill our snowman with antifreeze it doesn't work and his character has completely become useless the rest of the film to the very last scene up until that point he is just sitting there should have been antifreeze should have been a gimmick that okay once i can see but continuously every time he's in scene he starts mentioning antifreeze and people are like shut up man It, it didn't work i'm like we get it we you know, so then the wife is, has to step up and and try to fight Jack Frost, but it's so convoluted. And then we get a wonderful after credit sequence, which is oh. which is which is a still because during the final battle where they're fighting them and they find out that yeah, Jack and the sheriff have combined things, so the Jack Frost has an allergy to bananas, which is what causes the little snowballs to explode the minute they touch bananas at all. And so during this fight, our uh, the receptionist and the deputy go running into the freezer to hide from Jack and the balls of, of snowballs. Everything gets resolved. Sheriff walks away with his wife after uh, killing Jack with uh, banana and somehow the wife who banana got Banana daiquiris or some bana- bullshit, who, yeah. The, the, the wife got sucked into Jack and then she's she comes out of it for somehow, even though she should be dead. At the very end of the credits, we get not a sequence, but a still. A literal fucking low-res A frozen still. picture. Not even a actually taken on-set picture. A frozen, frozen picture that video. was a frame grab while they were editing yes. that they've blown up even because it wasn't fully able to do mm-hmm. what you could do because they had to blow it up to a shitty resolution in order mm-hmm. to do the pan to the freezer door and have the voiceover going oh you guys gonna let us out anytime soon that was that was like that was like the nail additional nail in the cough i'm just like wow they couldn't even shoot it they they literally used a still frame and cheap voiceover of one of the characters It was this. There, there aren't doors on the insides of freezers. There's not a handle <laughs> that they could. I just, I just, yeah. They no, have pushed no, an afterthought. I, we've all all of it was an afterthought, man. It did not help that at the beginning of the credit sequence, there was the let's make a Godzilla joke that yeah. was oh, not a joke. 
It was that's, not a joke at all. No, was, that's one of those moments where I'm like, okay, poor attempt at joke are actually racist. I'm not sure right racist. now. I it think was, it's a little of both. It's I think it's a little, little of both. It wasn't meant to be, but it was, I think. Because it was just like, it's the toy boat in a bathtub. And I'm like, you know what? Considering you're trying to reference 54, no. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the effects are better than that, no. Well, they made the... The thing is, for that type of gimmick, what adds to the angle of making it racist is the fact that the guys are dubbed yes. over to be like an old, badly dubbed Japanese film because, yes, they're going for the Godzilla angle. And by doing that, by not just having them talk normal and just be Asian, which is still problematic. Don't get me wrong. That is right. still problematic that they had to make these guys, because the big roar and the carrot falling on a ship in a boat wouldn't have given you the idea they were parodying Godzilla. They had to make the pilots Asian. But if they would have at least used their regular voices, maybe I could go okay i see what you're going for but the fact that they badly dub it means someone put this sequence together and thought it was just the most hilarious shit that they were putting together and it is it is it is so off-putting it is not needed adds nothing to it you do not need a third one where it's a godzilla jack frost because that makes even less sense than what this film did this film for me was a painful slog which is hard for me to say you know me in films and if I'm saying it's a painful slog if if, if I can barely find any redeeming quality of a film there's a problem agree Oh my God! We—he just went full Derek. Sorry. Yeah, I, I he did. did. Go, I did go full Derek. <laughs> this movie broke my, Mark. My my apologies, Derek. I did not mean to steal your wind. No, no, oh. no, absolutely not. I I've never seen you get that heated over anything in this movie. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. But. I also think if I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit, Uh I also think it still slightly has that stupid charm of the first one. Like, it's just it's not as good. It is not as good. If anything, if I got to say anything good, let's transition over to the the two aspects of the movie, the good and the bad, which we've obviously already said the bad. So let's not waste our time with it. The best part of this movie, if anything, I can walk away from this movie with the smile of about is that we get a scene in this movie where Jack Frost turns into ice cubes just to get rubbed on a woman's nipples. If anything, <laughs> we got that scene in this movie. So at least that's something. That is true. <laughs> crickets. Crickets. That is true. That about, is- <laughs> it's like deafening crickets right now. Uh, no, okay. Um, I'll admit that this ran through my head once because there's there's two things to try and go for the positive briefly. Um, one was I thought if I didn't watch these back to back, if I had actually if I had watched the one and then watched it the, the second one three years later, kind of half forgetting what the first one was was kind of like, I probably would have liked this one a little bit more. Just kind of more on its own, just because it is so stupid. Yes. 
there I did have a brief moment where I went, you remember when we watched those It's Alive movies and the <laughs> third one was only fun for us because it was just batshit crazy and the other two yep. were so dull? I give it credit for not being the first movie again. Yeah, I agree. Which is a really hard thing. I kind of liked it. So many sequels are the first movie again. And then if you get a series, once you get to like the third or fourth one, at that point, it starts finding different ways to try and reinvent itself because they know you can only do that movie so many times. In to some degree, if you look at like the the Freddy movies and the the, the the Jason movies, they they have to eventually have that moment where they go, well, let's just try something batshit crazy because we can't just do this again, right? So I give them credit for at least trying something completely different. Did it work? No, but at least it was something different. I, I, agree. I really, not to harp too much on the things I didn't like, is is. Jack Frost, his comments and his weirdness are very well balanced in the first one. You get more lines of dialogue out of him in the first 20 minutes of this movie than I need. Because he's just, he's everywhere. It's like, oh, people really liked it. Let's just cram him in there. And he's just mumbling. And you don't see him because he's water or he's whatever. Right. So it's just a voiceover for the first 30 minutes of this movie. Right. Even when he's killing folk, you don't see him. Or if you do, you see a glimpse. And I'm not. I, it would be one thing if you're kind of hiding him because he looks different. But when you finally get the moment where he pops up as full snowman, it's probably the same costume as the first one. It doesn't it look looked like the same. It one. looks like the same one. So it's not like you're going to have this moment where it's like, oh, he's horribly disfigured from having to recombine or he's, you know, got a tan because he absorbed coffee or something like that. He's it's the <laughs> same costume. So it's like, well, you didn't save that, you know, vibe for anything special at that point. But it was different. So there's that. <laughs> That's that is finding the peanut in the in the turd right there. That's, that is that is what it is, Mark. Is there anything? Yeah, well, I, I, I think I'm the same way. I did want to like this, and I, I do believe back in the day when I initially saw this movie, I did like it. I remember thinking when I was younger, you know what? This is kind of fun. These little, you know, the little snowballs are kind of, all, you know, all over the place, and it gets wild, and there's explosions of blood everywhere at the end. But when you sit back and actually pay attention to this thing, it's a fucking mess mm-hmm. now. Just maybe we're just grumpy, cynical old men, and we're watching this now with no joy in our hearts, and we we just can't we can't put up with this bullshit anymore. I, you have any joy in your heart, Mark? I, I there is a little. Okay, I thought the gimmick with the baby snowman was actually kind of a good way to go with it. And you're right, Doc. I will give them props for not trying to just rehash the first one, though I think they would have been more comfortable in that angle. But, okay, they don't do that. I give them credit for doing the originality of that. And I did like the concept of the baby, whoa, of the baby snowballs and everything. I I enjoyed that idea. The problem is... That's like five minutes before the end of the trip. 
you, you, the, the, the baby snowballs. They happen in the, like the last 15 or 20 minutes. The hour it takes to get to that point mm-hmm. takes makes it so that that's not appealing. The one thing you've got to admit with the first film is it didn't waste a whole lot of time getting to Jack. You didn't nope. you did you did not waste time getting to your gimmick. They they knew yeah. what the gimmick was. You saw him on the box. They're like, okay, you want to get to him, you're there. They give you enough setup to where it's not just toss, but at the same time, you get jack action. I mean, you, you get him changing in, you creepy thing. Here it takes so long to get to their new gimmick with the ball, the baby snowballs, that by that point you don't really care. Had they done it very early on in the film and done things like he can command them and do stuff to where you see an army a la killer tomatoes even i don't care of little baby snowballs rolling across the beach or whatever you know do it in that angle they don't even have to have teeth or anything just have them rolling around like killer tomatoes just snowballs that are killer snowballs something but it takes so long to get to that gimmick and you reduce the characters who I actually enjoy in the first one, like you said, Derek. Takes so long to get them; they dumb them down so much, it takes you out of the film because you took what you liked about the first one and kind of tacked it on the end, and and kind of destroyed that quite a bit along the way when they could have easily done it to where they had the baby snowball killer snowballs like right away. You didn't need it in the Caribbean. Trim it down to 75 minutes even, fine. And I think this film is better. So I do like the concept. I like the baby and like what they wanted to do, what they ended up doing on tape was not that. You could see maybe what they were tried for, but what they ended up giving us, it failed miserably. But I give them props for the concepts and ideas they had. It just never gets to where it could have been a lot better film again suffers because of its runtime of that necessity to have a 90 minute runtime this movie there's no reason it needed to be that and it it suffers so horribly because of it so let's get to the jingle balls on this boys are we are is are any of us handing out jingle balls for this thing because i know i sure shit am not zero balls from this guy i i I keep debating between giving it like half a ball and no balls just because nope. there's the part we of me said that, full. We said full balls, no full half nothing. balls. It's no got to be balls, a full ball or nothing. Then none. Uh, the pacing is bad. Uh, the concept is flawed. The The snowball thing seems like it's there to fill time more so than anything else. Um, eh, there's, like you said, everything you liked... I liked about the first one, kind of like Mark said, everything I liked about that first one is jettisoned and gone. And as much as I appreciate them trying to do something, this, this, there's bits and pieces that I didn't completely hate. But no, no, I, I, no, no, this one was not good. Not good at all. Mark. Yeah, it's an empty hook. It's, it's pretty much nothing. There's nothing here. It didn't add anything. It didn't, it, as we mentioned already, uh, it just took that structure and characters and just tossed it out the window and just f- flat out, this is totally just playing off of the popularity of the first one. 
to where they just put anything together and I'm not going to say a name because I don't want to insult people, but there's a specific director that kind of has a reputation that I'm surprised he didn't direct this film made with a name and they just like had a weekend to shoot and they just tossed something together. Though this may had three days cause they had effects in it, but still just very lacking, just empty void of anything that you may have found in the first one is just, it's not there. It's sad because there is potential. You could have seen them sustaining this longer had they actually taken care in the second one like they did the first one kind of to not to to kind of build on what you were saying if if we had seen the snowballs and they had built some of the peripheral characters and you don't see jack until like the beginning of the third act where it's like i'm here yeah and all of a sudden it's a menace and then we've had time to like like those three empty-headed girls and the, the calendar shoot people and everything. All the people that die within five minutes of us seeing them, if we had spent the half hour with them, we might hate them enough to want them dead. Or we might actually be sad when they go. But no, there's nothing there. Yeah. Why am I... Why are we rebuilding this movie to try and make it better? Because <laughs> that's what we do. Because we that's don't want to just... We just don't want to... We just don't want to... We just don't want to uh, shit on a film necessarily. No. Because we all see, I think, there was the elements, the ingredients here for something that they could have yeah. built on. Yeah. But they took the laziest route and killed it. Yeah when they could have picked up momentum had they done some more thought like they did in the first one. Mm-hmm. Well, otherwise, we'd well, be talking about Jack Frost 15, probably. probably. And oh, <laughs> that, that depresses me. That depresses me. And it's funny that... film coming out. <laughs> you did? God, no. I was going to make that joke. That's, God, damn it. that's not true. <laughs> I was going to make a witchcraft joke. I've known you don't, too long, don't, Doc. <laughs> don't say that. That's not true. There isn't another witchcraft movie. No. Don't lie. No. Oh. no. Don't oh. come out here and lie just to get popped. <laughs> if they were running a Kickstarter for a witch, another witchcraft movie, I would contribute to it just so you have. No, that sounds horrible. Why would I do that? I don't you hate don't you like, like that. I just all. like oh, listening oh, to my. that. <laughs> and be oh, fair, my. whatever they would Kickstarter, it would probably be enough to make like seven of those movies at this point. <laughs> hey, we got a thousand dollars. I'm guessing what I'm getting for Christmas is coal. That's what you guys are giving me for Christmas is coal. Sons of bitches. I thought these movies were coal enough for me. Nah. End of the podcast, these sons of bitches. Put it out and say, dude, I'm giving you coal for Christmas. <laughs> Jesus. So there we go. There's another Christmas episode. Holiday episode. I got to get the break to happen. It's a holiday episode. All holidays. Yeah. Oh, so anyways, boys. Uh, Happy holidays. I hope you guys have a great new year. I hope all you listeners out there have a great holiday and have a happy 2021. Is there anything either of you two would like to to share with the listeners uh after after slugging through both of these movies this year it, this was much harder than last year I, at least last year we had santa slate santa we had Slate's something still the best movie we watched for this yet yes I absolutely watched. absolutely is there anything positive you'd like to say to the listeners out there doc 
positive. Yes. Um, Let's keep things cheery. We need to walk into 2021 with an open, optimistic outlook. I I think there are, uh, as as we've kind of noted, as as awkward and as painful as as this year has been, there's always going to be something that you can look at on a personal level, hopefully, or on some community level where you can go, at least this was a good thing. Um, to, to find the grains of sand within all the whatever. Um, so whatever you can find from this year, that was a positive. Like, like I said, I got to work from home the entire year. I don't want to ever go back to an office. I've learned that I, I like being just here and not having to deal with all of that. But with things changing as they currently are with the vaccine and everything, I hope that we can all get to a point at some point in 2021 where we can interact with each other. It's going to sound weird. I'm going to, I want it to be weird. I'm going to lean into the weird. I want us to be able to interact physically again. As he looks, as he looks straight to Mark the movie, man, I was looking at you. (laughs) Oh, can you, can you say that in a sexy voice for me, doc? I hope we can all interact physically again at some point. Um, so many of us are, 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 are just missing the the concept of being with people that we're fond of on whatever level. Friends, our family in some cases, depending on where you are, and just having that moment where, you know, we can pat somebody on the back even, even if it's through clothes and just have that. I'm hoping that comes for all of us sooner than later. And normal's not going to be what it was. And that's going to be a good thing in a lot of cases. Lean into, don't try and keep building back what was. Take what we have and move forward. And moving forward is a good thing. Beautifully put. Mark the Movie Man, do you have any words of optimism for the Astro Zombies out there listening to this? It's a hard act to follow, but he kind of, uh, to build off what Doc said, everybody keeps talking about, Oh, let's get back to normal. I don't want to go back to the old normal. I want to build off of what come out of this because with all the bad, with all the whatever, there's been some breakthroughs. There's been some things that have come that have been good that would not have been happening if it wasn't for the pandemic forcing people's hands. I mean, in all honesty, you're absolutely right. Businesses are learning to work from home. Many people are discovering they want to work from home. Some don't, but many people are liking that environment better. Not only that, being the IT guy, they're discovering we have the beans to do this now. The the virtual learning, the you know, all along that lines of yes, you could do a mixture of both. I don't want to go completely back to the way it was, but maybe take some of the good that was from those times, mix it with some of the new good you discovered now, and come up with something that's going to be something that gives us a bit more of a modern feel to our culture, because I think that was lacking before the pandemic, in all honesty. As much as I love physical interaction in that, we joke for years about where's our flying cars where's our whatever where's our video many of those things that we saw in like sci-fi films and that that we thought we would have by now we didn't until the pandemic 
And now you do. You have the Zoom meetings. You have the shared learning. You have the advancements. So take that. Learn from it. And I'm going to plug this rather than any of my shit. The arts suddenly become very important when you're looking for something to do and you're trapped in your house. So the next time you think, oh, I want to fund this guy's football team or the arts, think about where you found more entertaining and what found more variety in when you're locked down. The same old sports team once a week or movies that you could watch and music you could listen to 24-7 because there were people out there, artists, who wanted to create art. And they can only do that if you support that shit. So the stuff that was getting cut before for arts programs, think about what you found entertaining during the lockdown and realize it is because of art people like these creative gentlemen who I have the pleasure of knowing It's because of the content they create in that that you could get through the tough times. Okay, soapbox over. Sorry. Thank you, gentlemen. Wonderfully put. I the reason I I did this at the end is because I I feel that this year, 2020, we've been inundated with a lot of negativity in our lives, not just because we're being locked in our houses and we're being told to not go out and interact, not see our families, not be able to be more than or less than six feet away from other people and try to avoid everything. But we have these devices that are hooked to us now constantly that do nothing but push propaganda and fear and anger at us 24 hours a day and in this in this environment in this world in which a lot of us interact through zoom meetings through podcasting through streaming through various means to keep our social instincts you know there where we're not just becoming prisoners in our own fucking houses it's, it's extremely important for us to remember that not everything that we're seeing, everything we're seeing on this device here, I would say a good like 10 to 20 percent of it is reality. Let's let's oh, let's yeah. let's, let's stay optimistic. Sometimes yeah. it's overblown and overblown. It's ridiculously overblown and if if anything if i can say anything positive let's walk away from this experience realizing that the only thing trump ever said that was true through this entire bullshit is that this is fake news that the that what we are seeing on this fucking device is bullshit and that we need to stop listening to the anger and the hate and look forward to 2021 and be better people so from all of us here on astro radio z thank you for this year of hanging out with us 2021 may be a little bit different you may not see me as much you may see me i'm not so sure but at least you got this episode the the holiday special here on astro radio z so from us doc mark the movie man and myself Thank you. Hope you have a great holiday and a happy new year. Take care of yourselves. 